Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good it's great to be back at Tapestry. Uh, can I just say uh, that I love the heart of this church. I love the heart that Kate and Andy bring. Uh, and uh, hadn't planned on saying that, but I think it's appropriate. Uh, so it's good to be back here. I've been here uh, before. <clears throat> Probably don't remember that. I'm not offended. Uh, but it's an honor to be here, especially on such an important day. And this is an important day, you know. And, and to all of the moms especially, we just want to say we love you. Uh, you know, you look great today. And, and I just want happy Mother's Day. <laughs> what? What do you mean it was last week? Oops. Does this mean I'm in trouble? Again? Well, anyway, I'm glad you're here. Did you know that if you listen close enough, most people will tell you what's in their heart? Uh, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Siblings can be a good example of this. Uh, we have a brand new granddaughter. She's here, actually. Right there, actually. <laughs> Three weeks old, my, my newest granddaughter, Eleanor Kate McGarity. We call her Nora. And uh, she was born May 1st, and we're so excited and we are so proud but I got to tell you, at the same time, we've been a little concerned about how Nora's three-year-old big brother, Sam, would feel about the new intruder on his only child turf. How many, can you relate to that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I have good news to report. So far, Sam loves his new baby sister. He'll frequently walk over to her and gently stroke her head and kiss her and say, it's going to be okay, baby girl. <laughs> and our hearts just melt. <clears throat> uh, Dee and I have four boys. Two of them are here today. Uh, what I'm about to tell you doesn't involve either one of them. <laughs> when our second son was three and a half years old, uh, he looked very intently over into the crib where his newborn baby brother was. I mean, we're talking like about Nora's age. And then he walked over to the couch where Dee was pretty much confined, laying down, recovering from major surgery, and said these words, Mom, and he was very articulate about it. Just I mean, he's three and a half, but it, it, he was very clear. Mom, it wouldn't be nice to stick my finger in the baby's eye, would it? <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, indeed. Or as the New Living Translation says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Yes, Parents, your children can give you a heart attack. 
Now, I was born uh, four years after my older brother, and, and growing up, it was just the two of us, my older brother, Bob, and I. And yes, we caused our parents' hearts to stop on a fairly regular basis. If you looked up the term sibling rivalry, you'd probably find a picture of Bob and I. And, I mean, it really was serious. He resented me from day one, and I annoyed him. I know you might be tempted to say, well, which came first? Did you annoy him? Or No, it... I mean, I'm not painting myself as totally innocent, but it, it started when I was a newborn. He resented me. I annoyed him. We fought. We called each other names. Not a lot of warm, fuzzy childhood memories of things that he and I did together. It was terrible, actually. But then, after we became adults, we became close. And I'm really glad. Uh, some really cool things happened in our relationship. I remember he had moved to Phoenix, and I was living in Houston. And when he was going through a really tough time, <clears throat> he would call me to talk about things. I wouldn't have predicted that when we were growing up, okay? But he would call, and we would talk. And he was kind of in a really dark place. And we would, we would talk, and we would even laugh about some of the things that we argued and fought about as kids. And I was like, wow, so this is what it's like to be friends with your brother. <laughs> Who knew? This is very cool. One day in, in early December 2002, Bob went to work as usual, a normal day. Shortly after lunch, he walked outside and, and sat down on the ground, you know, like put his back up against the wall of the building Closed his eyes like he was, you know, going to take an afternoon nap. <clears throat> and never woke up. And he died. The coroner said he had major blockage in all three arteries. His heart was literally sick. But he didn't know it. And it killed him. He was 48 years old. Now, there's a book in the Bible, the book of Proverbs, and it's famous for being a collection of wise sayings written by the famous King Solomon. They said it was the wisest man who ever lived. The 23rd verse of chapter 4 in the book of Proverbs says this, Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. I'm just wondering, seriously, what exactly was King Solomon thinking about when he wrote those words? And we know he wasn't talking about physical heart disease. He was referring to the desires of our heart. He could have said, guard your affections, or be careful what you love. So I have questions. Why did he write this? Was he talking to one of his sons in particular, or all of his children maybe? 
was he addressing future readers like you and I? I even, I even thought about the possibility, maybe he was talking to himself, saying, you know, giving himself a pep talk, you need to guard your heart, Solomon. I don't know. Had someone in his royal family royally screwed up? Or maybe he was looking ahead and he was trying to prevent an impending disaster that he saw on the horizon. And he was giving that warning. <clears throat> Why is this so important? What could possibly go wrong? Now, I'm not sure exactly what happened or exactly sure of what he was referring to here, but I'm guessing that the wisest man who ever lived might have a helpful clue for the rest of us about our hearts. Guard your heart, he said. What can do damage to our hearts? You know, besides cholesterol and looking at a screen uh, while our muscles atrophy. <laughs> Ouch. Big question, important question. What is it that's a threat to your heart? What are the things that you are vulnerable to? If Solomon or Jesus were here today, what would they say to you? What would they tell you? Watch out. You need to guard your heart against this. It's a serious threat to you. What would they be talking about? Here's a partial list that I think Jesus and Solomon both would recommend. Before I get to the list, let me just clarify. If any of this hurts, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to hell or that you're a bad person. In fact, if it hurts, it might indicate that you're self-aware enough to do some much-needed damage control. You see, Solomon had seen it all. Richest man who ever lived at that, at that point in time. Richest man in the world. He knew most, if not all, of the things that can creep into an unsuspecting heart and infect it like a virus with something, something seemingly innocent but deadly. You know, the kind of thing that, that creeps in on you and your heart gets a little darker and then maybe a little darker and a little darker until there's a total eclipse of the heart. A total eclipse of the heart. Let's give it up for Danielle and, and Brad back there. <laughs> Okay, now you know exactly how old I am. <laughs> so guard your heart. And on your little handout sheet, there's not enough lines for all the things we're going to talk about, but maybe if you just want to write down the things that are important, and we'll be looking to see which those things are as you write. <laughs> guard your heart from the love of money, from greed. Why? Well, because when greed gets a grip on your heart, the people in your life 
become less important. When greed and the love of money gets a grip on your heart, we start attaching a dollar value to human beings, friends, neighbors, coworkers, even spouses. So guard your heart from greed and the love of money. Guard your heart from lust. Why? Because lust also reduces the value of people, especially the person who is the object of your lust. Or in the case of pornography, the group of people. We live in a culture that is literally saturated with pornography. In men, I can't speak for women. I, I know there are inherent differences and similarities as well. But in men, they've done studies on this, of course, porn has a devaluing effect on women. I mean, it has a devaluing, yeah, in men, porn has a devaluing effect on, on how we see women. And today, it's everywhere. I still remember my first exposure to pornography. 1977. Trust me, it was a different world. I was a 19-year-old Bible college student preparing for the ministry. I walked into a convenience store with a friend looking to buy a soft drink and something to snack on. And while I was looking, I, I hear this whispered, Hey, Doug, look at this. And I walked around the corner to the, to the next aisle over, and there in the middle of the aisle was a display of skin magazines. I spent the next five or six minutes, okay, 10 or 15 minutes, <laughs> looking at pictures of, well, you know. <clears throat> when I walked out of that store, it seemed to me like I slithered out, actually. There were three big impressions on my mind. Number one, well, I'm going to hell now. <laughs> Number two, if someone from the Bible college finds out about this, I'm kicked out of school before I go to hell. And number three, I wanted to go back and look some more. Guilt, shame, and attraction all jumbled together. And today, of course, a 19-year-old or a 60-year-old or a 10-year-old doesn't have to walk into a store to find pornography. It's at the tip of your finger on any screen connected to the Internet. This is a big deal in our culture today. Guard your heart from lust. What else? Guard your heart from the other woman. Or the other man. Guard your heart from too much personal ambition 
too much work. Are you a workaholic? And while you're trying to get as much as you can, what's it doing to the rest of your life? What's it doing to the relationships? Guard your heart from selfishness or self-centeredness. Does it always have to be about you? That's a problem because it's usually supposed to be about me, just so you know. <laughs> Guard your heart from envy, which can lead to bitterness. Why do they get to have that? I want that. Why is it theirs and not mine? I want that. Guard your heart from hatred. Here's a question. Be honest, not with me, with yourself. Do you have trouble forgiving? If you don't know where that leads, it leads to hate. If you can't forgive or if you refuse to forgive. Guard your heart from fear and worry. Are you frequently or constantly paralyzed by fear or worry? Guard your heart. Guard your heart from self-righteousness and arrogance. It's easy. I know. I, uh, <clears throat> I'll date myself once again. There's most of you in the room, but if most of you have never heard of a guy named Mac Davis. <laughs> uh, he was a, a, a crush of my wife's for the first 20 years of our marriage, uh, at least. <clears throat> he had a song. I remember watching him sing this song on The Tonight Show, and it just stuck with me. I don't know what that says about me, but oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to wake up each morning because I get better looking each day. It's a fun song and we all laugh. But guard your heart from arrogance. Do you see how easy it is for our hearts to be infiltrated with some of these things? And the, the lesson is, is applicable for, well, anyone. Preacher, president, politician, salesman, teacher, janitor, coach, doctor, lawyer, executive, truck driver, husband, wife. Guard your heart from those things that are a threat. So how do you guard your heart? Or what's the prescription for a healthy heart? In the book of Colossians, Paul says, set your affections on things above. Now, one of the important things here is that you can set your affections. You can determine what your heart loves. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You see, you don't have to be a slave to your heart. You don't, you know, how many of you have heard this or, or maybe you've said that? I mean, I have, I've said it. Well, just follow your heart. 
How many of you know you follow your heart, it can get you in a lot of trouble sometimes? It can mess all kinds of things up. You don't have to be a slave to your heart. It's better to guard your heart and set your affections than to follow your heart. So begin to value things that are good. Set your affections on things that are good. Things that are the opposite to those things that are a threat to you and your heart. Does greed have a grip on you? The love of money? And you're just honest enough to admit, well, yeah, you know, I probably, you know, it's kind of a big deal to me. So what do you do about that? On purpose, begin to practice generosity. And you know, you don't have to start with a million dollars or most of us probably couldn't start there anyhow. But start with something small. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer out loud because it might get messy. Do you resent the people who stand at the intersections asking for things? Do you, do you make a, you know, a theological or a cultural argument in your mind about why they shouldn't be there? Start with something small. Practice generosity to somebody who maybe you don't even think deserves it. Practice generosity. And, you know, be, look for opportunities to be generous to people with needs. And let's be honest, those opportunities are everywhere. Is lust eating away at you? Or has someone besides your spouse caught your eye? Then practice on purpose loving your wife or your husband more. Do whatever you have to do to think about your spouse. Pray for your spouse. Put up pictures. Leave yourself notes in your office, in your car, on your phone, in your computer. Make it your screensaver. Put it on your calendar to think about and pray for the most important person in your life. Focus on the person that you should be loving. Are you a workaholic? Okay, then get your calendar out. Sit down with your spouse if you have one. And, and if you don't have a spouse, then it'll be a little bit easier. <laughs> it's all on you. Well, okay, it's probably not going to be easier, but the strategy will be simpler. It's just you. Get your calendar out and put something besides work on your schedule. Plan a date night or a weekend or a vacation and do whatever you have to do to keep that date. Make it a promise. Do something fun that's not work or work-related. For some of us, that's a problem, because if you enjoy your job, if you enjoy your work, and you know that's one of those things that we can be a little self-righteous about. But if it's causing problems, if it has a grip on your heart, then do something about it. Are you envious of what someone else has? 
or perhaps even bitter about something or someone, put that person on your prayer list. Yeah, that person. Put them on your prayer list. And just, just mention their name in prayer every day. Quietly. Even if you're just thinking it. Make yourself think. Oh God, bless Susie. You know I hate her guts. You know why. But you love her. I guess. Bless her. After a few days, it'll be easier, I promise. <laughs> Specifically, ask God to bless that person. Are you kidding me? Do you know? I know where some of you live. And you're saying in your mind right now, and it's serious, do you know? Did I mess that up? Do you know what they did to me? And you want me to pray for God to bless them? Well, do you want to live or do you want to die? Do you want your heart to be healthy and happy? Or do you want that bitterness and anger to strangle the life out of your heart? Doesn't this all sound like fun? You guys having a good time? <laughs> Listen carefully. <clears throat> when we got the call, it was on a... When we got the call, totally unexpected, of course, that Bob, my brother, my only sibling had been killed by a sudden death heart attack, the Widowmaker. My wife, who is here, said with complete sincerity and sympathy, two things I never forget. She, she looked at me with compassion and love and said, I am so sorry. And you are going to the doctor. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a request. I was only 44 years old. I still played sports with my boys and thought I was in great shape. I really did. Everybody say, self-aware. <laughs> I thought I was fine. No, Bob's the one who died. I'm good. But like I said, it wasn't really a suggestion, and so I scheduled a heart-to-heart, -heart, pardon the pun, uh, with my doctor, told him family history. My, my mother, who lived to be 85 years old, she was still alive at that point. She was 83 at the time. When she died, she, she had heart problems for a number of years. Had, open, had triple bypass surgery at the age of 75, lived another 10 years after that. But she had 
uh, leaking valve. She had heart issues. And then Bob, of course, you know, had the sudden death heart attack, told the doctor my history. So he scheduled, you know, the big thorough physical and everything. <clears throat> Do you know what they found out when I went in for my little heart wellness check? Well, number one, my blood pressure was dangerously high and my cholesterol was at 312. If, if you don't know, that's really not good. The bad cholesterol was at 312. That can be a deadly combination. And so my doctor laid out some plans for how I could literally protect my heart from what could kill me. He said, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And I knew he had my best interest. I knew he, he was smart. He knew what he was talking about. I knew uh, that, you know, he, he, he was the expert, and I wasn't. And so I said, thanks for the information, Doc, but what you're suggesting doesn't really sound like much fun, so I think I'm going to take a pass. I'm feeling pretty good. I think I'll be all right. I don't want to make any big changes to the way I'm living because that's kind of inconvenient. I'll be okay. No, that's not what I said. That's not what I did. For 15 years now, <laughs> I've been taking prescription medicine to control both my blood pressure and my cholesterol. I jokingly tell my family that I can eat as much ice cream as I want as long as I take that little pill. <clears throat> I also made some changes to my lifestyle, some of them by choice, some of them not so much by choice. I became aware of my heart and my health in a way that I never had been before. And so here I am still making life miserable for my wife and children and the rest of you this morning. You know what? I really believe that those changes saved my life. Making those changes that may seem a little inconvenient or uncomfortable or not really desirable can save your life, save your heart, can change the way you live. But what if your heart has already been broken or damaged or infected? King David, who is Solomon's father, had let his heart go to some very, very bad places. And as a result, did some very bad things. But then he brought his broken heart and his broken life to God. This is not in the notes. I didn't give this to Danielle. So just trust me. Write this down. Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David comes to God with a with a broken life. He was still king, technically. But his life was just 
disaster because he had let some things get a hold of his heart. And he says in Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Blot out the stain of my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. You see, that's David's prayer. That's David talking to God. But it's also my prayer. And it's your prayer too. When he did, David, when he brought his broken heart and his broken life to God, David found out some very good news. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God heals the brokenhearted. He forgives sin, and he can give you a new heart. And Philippians 4, 7 tells us this, that God's peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, I'm just the messenger today. But God is like the doctor. In fact, he is the greatest physician. And he has a plan to help you and me guard our hearts. He has a plan. Wherever you are in life, whatever your age, whatever your future plans, whatever your goals, whatever your dreams are, even the dreams that it seems like have been shattered and are not even on the drawing board anymore, wherever you are in life, God has a plan to help you guard your heart and live your life the way he built you to live an abundant, wonderful, joy-filled life. He has a plan to help you guard your heart. He can, if necessary, do a heart transplant on you if you need one. And forgive me for saying so, but this is important stuff. This isn't about church or religion. This is about your life and the way that you live, and the way that God created you to live. Bring your heart to Jesus. I'm not talking about if you're not a Christian or you're not a believer. There are people in this room who are believers, who are Christ followers, who still have some heart issues. You need, you need to let God work on your heart. If it's sick or damaged or broken, he can heal it. He can heal you if you need it. And he can help you to guard your heart. So what's your plan? What's your plan to guard your heart? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity of being here today. Thank you, Lord, for all the good that you've done in us. 
Lord, some of us can look in our rearview mirrors and say there was a time when I was broken. When my life was like David's, when, when everything was just a disaster and you brought healing and you restored my life, you gave me a new life. And there, there's probably other people who'd say, well, that's kind of where I'm at right now today. Lord, wherever, we're, wherever we are, whatever our struggles are with, whatever is a threat to our hearts, I just pray, Lord, that you will give us the wisdom and the humility to ask you for help to listen to what your word says, to listen to your voice, to help us make the changes we need to make to guard our hearts and protect us so that we can live the life that you've created us to live with joy and love and peace. Be with each one of us. Lord, I pray that you'll be with Andy and Kate and Give them a good week. Help all of us to honor you with our lives. And we'll thank you for it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Mother's... Oh, no, no. Have a great week, and uh, hope to see you again soon. God bless you. It's a